Okay, so I'm sitting here with my friend Cal Tolbert. Now you go, your name online is Calanese. Yes. So tell me about that. Well, uh, the best of my knowledge, uh, the story that I hear from my oldest sister is that uh, when I was born, my my dad wanted to name me Canalis. Okay. And he was drunk whenever I was born. <laughs> so him and my mom argued with it about the spelling, and he had to be right, basically. Uh -huh. So I, then my name was spelled with C-A-L-O-N-E-S-E -E instead of C-A-N. <laughs> so it's just something I have to explain. And, I mean... One of those things, and um, to every teacher, to you know everyone I meet. Oh yeah. So. I can imagine. Yeah, so well, I went by Cal at a young age. I think I was about third grade, and the teacher was just like, "We'll just call you Cal." I'm like, Great. <laughs> Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. Um, when did you come to Missouri? Well, uh, when I was about twelve, my father died. Okay. He, he passed away, and you know it. Our family, we, we 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 had a great upbringing, really. I mean, mother, father, you, you know, uh, we went to church. We went uh, to uh, my sisters all got to go to private Catholic schools. And oh, then wow. when my father passed away, it just kind of all fell apart. You know, he he was. Uh, I mean, he had everything held together, but he had absolutely nothing prepared for when he he went. He had cancer. He had a couple of surgeries. One of them didn't go right. And, uh, I mean, my mom just didn't know how to deal with nothing. I mean, uh, my three older sisters, uh, I was about 12. I just turned 12. And then my sisters, I think, were 13 and a half, almost 14 and 16, 15 and 16. And they just, one right after another, got pregnant. And, uh, you know, mom couldn't handle them. Mom met another man who decided that it would be better for us to live in Missouri. Okay. Yeah, I think I just, I was pretty uh, messed up. I mean, I went from having this perfect childhood to, I mean, just being confused, angry, just, you know, every feeling that you could think of uh -huh. in no way at all to express it or deal with it or, uh -huh. you know, just no idea of nothing, basically. Right. So confused, so hurt. And so that was the big event that kind of set you on your path? Yeah, that was... Or your first part of your path. Yeah, that was the most... That was the, the devastating um, turn in, of events in my life that, you know, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I ever really recouped. Uh, you know, it, it just seemed like um, after that... I, um, it, it took years and years and years, like to, to ever really even trust anyone. Like I remember, I remember the day the new, I got the news that my my father had passed away. I remember I I got up in the morning. I'd stayed the night at a friend's house, and I and I seen a couple of bags of my dad's clothes were on the table, and I was like, uh -huh. I asked my mom about them, and and she was just like, oh, they're just there, and you know. Um, so did she know that it was going she to knew well she already had known that he passed away in the middle of the night oh wow but my friend had a birthday party uh, and she wanted me to go and have fun at that birthday party that day but when i went to my friend's house before the birthday party uh, i guess one of my friends had come up to me and said i'm sorry about your dad and i'm like what what do you mean <laughs> you know and so 
it, that gave me some really serious trust issues. Sure. Like I, I, I never trusted my mom after that. Yeah. It, it, it was, I mean, and I don't, and I, and I don't. Now looking back at it, I mean, me and her, we, we, uh, how, how do you say, healed from that. Uh -huh. But for a long time, I had issues that strung into every other relationship sure. that stemmed from that point. That day was pretty traumatic for me. Yeah. <clears throat> when was it? What was the um, date? I don't remember the date. I it, I don't even... I, th I think it was... I know it was like in August. Okay. That's what I do know. I, I, I know it was in August. It was summertime. We were going to have a pool party. Uh -huh. We were going to go to the pool. and um, I mean, it was... Um, you know, I couldn't even really enjoy the day, but I went anyway sure. that day. And, and I was almost, I don't know, I was angry. You know, my, I was so, and that's all I could remember. And I, and I almost just didn't want to be home because I felt like my mom betrayed me. And, uh -huh. you know, mom just didn't want to, mom just didn't want to hurt me. You know, sure. that's all it was. Oh, yeah. Well, so anyway, how old were you when I met you? Uh, I think I was probably 25. Okay. And um, you were a bad man. Yeah, I, I was. <laughs> uh, you know, <clears throat> I mean, we moved to Missouri, and, um, man, I just had a hard time fitting in anywhere. Uh -huh. And, you know, I was dark-complected, uh -huh. and there wasn't... This was before, you know, like, Monette was... Had sure. the chicken plant and had a lot of, and you had a lot of Mexicans and sure, people yeah. from different backgrounds moving in, and yeah. so it was a little more normal. So right. I mean, I, I I got teased a lot, I got picked on a lot, and you know I, you know I felt like, you know my stepdad kind of picked on me a lot. He was a little jealous of my mom babied me a little, really? a little bit. So he, you know it was, I just I felt like I was getting it from all directions. Uh, but maybe not as much as my perception. You know, I think I made myself out to be a victim. Uh, I had that victim mentality, I sure. think. And and yeah, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd been wronged, you know, I'd been hurt. But you know what, I needed, really I needed to suck it up and, uh, and just take responsibility. <laughs> but it took a long time. Like, I, I mean, I, I think about how long it really took and... But, you know, I had to go through some things. I had to feel some things. And, I, I mean, I just, I think I was you around 20. You were on 20. your way to prison is the way yes. I Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I had a one-way ticket. It was, it was happening, you know. There probably wasn't anything that was going to stop that from happening. Did you ever go? Oh, yeah. I, I went. Okay. I actually went. Um, I went to prison. Uh, I got a five-year sentence for it. Was like a simple possession charge that I'd been on probation for. But I had some pretty hefty pending charges, and uh, I remember you represented me on them and represented me for the probation violation. And I mean, I, and, I, and I remember you did everything. Like, we tried everything. I mean, known to man, and even threw things in there that like. But it, it, it and, I, and it was just like I kept wanting you to do more and there was nothing more to do you know? <laughs> I remember I, I remember I think I was back on a writ and you were like what else do you want me to do and then you <laughs> turned around in the courtroom and asked me that and it, it wasn't that you weren't doing it it was just that you know it wasn't going my way and, and you I weren't hearing what was yeah, there yeah yeah there was just uh, there was just nothing but time for me to do that time and, and so <clears throat> 
Tell me about that experience. I mean, I think I did two and a half years before I got out. And, I mean, when you do that much time in uh, incarcerated, you really, I I mean, after about a year, it really feels like that's all you're ever going to know. Okay. I mean, it really felt like I was never going to get out, even though I had a date that was a year uh, away, it still never felt. It was like, this is all I'm ever going to know. Okay. And so it was, it was, it was difficult because um, I couldn't see myself ever having a family. I couldn't see myself having a real job. You know, I tried to envision those things, but when you wake up in this place every day and you hear count time, standing name and number count, sure. have your ID in your window. It's just, that's all you know. You know, Tolbert 341397. That was my number. I still know it. You know, I had to say it, you know, so many times a day. And... Yeah, it, it, you really get in that mentality, that mindset of this is all there is. And you definitely get that mentality that <clears throat> nothing is your fault. Oh, yeah, I had that mentality. I, I, I was a victim. Everyone's picking on me, you know, if this, if that. if There, there, was, there was every excuse you could possibly think of or imagine that the reason that things should have or could have but didn't go my way. Uh-huh. And, you know, I mean, I had them all. And, you know, it, it, I, I think I had to run through every excuse two or three times before I realized, hey, you know what, maybe there's, <laughs> maybe there, there's some things that I'm doing. But, you yes. know, I, I, I had some brief moments where, you know, I, I just went out there buckled up. Like I got out in, uh, I remember it was like 2005 when I got out. Okay. <clears throat> and... You know, I mean, I just, I just hurt and missed my, my kids so much. I missed my mom, you know. There was a couple of scares where she had gotten really sick while I was in, locked up. And uh-huh. one time they had called me and to the office and told me that she had died, but she hadn't died. Huh. <clears throat> and then they let me call um, my ex-wife and she told me that, no, she didn't die. But, you know, they said they were, that she was going to, she had some strokes that, or diabetic, and she was in a diabetic coma, and uh-huh. <clears throat> but she came out of it, and then so, and then I got out, and you know I, uh, I I got a job like first day out was just I was working. I just remember you were when I knew you at that time. You always had this look on your face like you were going to kill somebody. <laughs> you <laughs> well. I think I just, man, I just had this, I, you know, I don't, I think the anger and, and bitterness and, and, and pain, uh-huh. it had nowhere to go. Right. It had no outlet. It had no, you know, it didn't, I don't think it even had, I don't think I, I even really knew where it come from. You know, uh-huh. I think it just, I just felt like a victim and, and nothing was my fault kind of. And, and that, and, and it just was kind of just went around and around. And, and anything that yeah. didn't go my way, someone did it to me. You know? <laughs> kind of, and I was always ready to take revenge. Or, but you we know, always got along great. Yeah. Well, you, know? you were you were helping me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? That was over a period of what several years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you know it, when when I first met you, you know, I was in trouble and I needed your help, and you helped me. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And. And then I think after, you know, after I'd gotten out, I I had, 
I, I remember I, I did really great for about a year and a half, and then it just, my, my mom died. Okay. Mom died, and I, and I used that for an excuse, sure. basically, to just throw it all away. And, I, and that's what I did, basically. I mean, I would go see my probation officer, and she would just look at me and be like, you need to get out of here before someone smells you. I mean, I would just smell oh, like no. I, I would be, yeah, I would be like reek of alcohol. I'd, I'd be on drugs. And, uh, you know, she would ask me sometimes if I could pass a UA, and, and I'd say no. I'd say no. But she'd help you out and not turn me she, in? Yeah, she, I mean, she did for, for so long. She would just tell me, you know, you gotta, you got to change. Who was you, you that? To, um, uh, Anna Bolin, I think, was one of them. Okay. I had, I had a couple of them. I, I went, and, and then finally it was you got to go to re rehab. And then you got to do this, and this is before drug court. I never, I actually never did drug court. Okay. I never did drug court. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think they had drug court when, I think they had just started drug, doing drug court when I where I had I had went to the Dream Center in Aurora. Okay. And I remember before going there, um, I had I had been out for that year and a half, and then I ended up. Just finally, you know, Anna was just like, you, you're you just not, I, I think I went to a 30-day rehab and then didn't even, I went for 30 days, or I went to, I went for a 30-day, talked him into 15. <laughs> and, I mean, I did, I basically, I, I, I mean, I, I pretty much was telling him that, you know what, if you guys can't, don't let me out in like, you know, the, the 15 days, which I said, I'm, I don't know if I can keep from hurting someone or doing something stupid, you know, and they were just like, okay, <laughs> you know, I mean, they basically, we'll just, sure. we'll just give you the certificate and you can go, we'll yeah. make your PO happy. And that's all you're here for, you know, and they, and they, they, they did. I mean, and I got right, got, got out of there. And I, I mean, I, ch I checked in a few more times, you know, with my PO and, but I was, I was kind of doing what I was supposed to, you know, uh -huh. like for her showing her that, but I really wasn't. And then, you know, I think finally... And so the, you went the, back in. Then. I went back in and finished that sentence, which was the rest of the five. It was about a year. And, and tell me about that. Tell me about the prison life. What was that like? Man, I mean, it was just the same thing every day. Same food. Well, the, the food that, you know, you'd have a, almost a weekly menu. It was about the same. But, the, I mean, if you really think about it, you know, like... People that don't have a home, don't have health care, they don't, sure, you know, yeah. people on the street, you know, they would love to be there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can honestly see someone getting out of prison after being there for a long period of time, struggling, being like, man, prison's better than this. Sure. And just going back. Uh -huh. You know, if you don't have relationships and you don't have, you know, anything that's linking you to the outside world because, I mean, they take care of you. Uh -huh. And you got free health care. You've got a gym to go work out in. You, you go play, pretty much go play all day. Uh -huh. But, you know, you just can't do what you want. You know, you can't right. leave when you want. You can't have a girlfriend, you know. I mean, I guess some of them, some guys do. And, the, you know, they, they, they find <laughs> guards or nurses to, yeah. to have relationships with. And it sure. becomes a big scandal. But, I mean... It, you know, prison systems are not that hard. And especially, I mean, I had a hard, I'd have a hard time like once or twice, like wherever I went, you know, because I, I, I would mind my own business, I'd hit the weights, I'd do whatever, but I was always, I always had that, 
um, some people always wanted to test me. Sure. And so, like, I would get in a fight about every camp I went to, and that would be I'd get in one. Uh-huh. And, and I remember even getting in, like, with big gang members, you know, that they're all supposed to beat you up and stuff. And uh-huh. then I'd beat up one of them, and they'd all leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> they just didn't. Uh-huh. It, it wasn't like... You know, in the movies where, you know, it wasn't quite like that. Not in Missouri. It might be in, like, different states. Sure. No, it wasn't that that hardcore. Uh, And so the funny thing is, the next thing I heard about you was from the prosecutor, Don Trotter. Yes. And he was talking about you. I don't even remember the context, but he was just talking about what a great job you were doing and was raving about you. And I thought... Is this the same Cal Tolbert? I mean, Where I'm he sure that was my first kind thought. of came into into my life uh, in, on a positive note because he he sent me to prison. He prosecuted me uh-huh. on the charges in Lawrence County, uh-huh. assault on law enforcement, and I, I, it was a, a domestic assault. And um, what else was it? I I can't quite. Remember, but That's fine. but it, but uh, you know he prosecuted me and he sent me to, to prison. Uh-huh. Well, I was at the Dream Center in Aurora, and I remember before I even went there, like I because I had been out of out of prison and I and I just I just kept getting in trouble for drugs. I just kept just kept doing. That was all I knew. What kind of drugs? Meth. Okay. I didn't know anything else. You know, I didn't I didn't know how to make it. You know, I didn't know how to get a regular job. You know, I, I didn't know how to, I just didn't know how to do those things anymore. I mean, I really, I mean, I, if I could have, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I just, I really needed to learn how to live again. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's, that's what it came down to. And every time I'd go to jail, you know, I'd hear about this place that Christian people would, you know, they'd teach you God's word and they'd, uh-huh. and I was just like, I need that. That's what I need. And really? I, knew, I knew that was you what I needed. I knew that. Was, and, and I knew it for like a year. It was like a year or so that I knew that was what I needed. And I mean, it, it's kind of crazy miracle the way that I actually even got out of jail because Tell I, about it. I remember I got, I, I had a, a 50, I think it was a, like a hundred thousand dollar bond and um or I was in on like a twenty five thousand cash only. They started doing uh-huh. a cash only bond. And I was in for like two months on that and I they finally lowered it to a surety where I could use a bondsman and I bam I had a bondsman get me out. Sure. And then Were you I, selling drugs? Um yeah I was. Okay. I was selling them and then it wasn't like three months later or four months later, I got another one and it was like a hundred thousand dollar bond. And I think I spent nine months in jail on that one with uh, a cash only bond. Okay. And then they finally lowered it. And I mean the same night, bam, bondsman uh-huh. got me out. Right. And then I never even paid that bondsman. And, um, he basically pretty much told me, he said he, he couldn't bond me out anymore. Uh, and then I was, I, I got another one that was 50,000. Uh-huh. And I mean, on this one, I'm, I, I pretty much, like when I went to court for my arraignment, I said, I, I tried to tell him I wanted to plead guilty and go to prison. I said, I can't live like this no more. Really? I don't want to be on the street. I don't want I don't want to get out. I just, uh-huh. I, I need to. You know, I, 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 I just told him, I'm, you know, I'm done doing this. 
and because you felt like you were done. I was done. Like I, I, I knew I couldn't live the way I was living anymore. I mean, I, I would have rather have been dead, but I, you know, I didn't want to die. I knew I had kids out there, and I hadn't seen them in like a couple of years. Sure. I mean, it was. I mean, if you if you mentioned my kids, I, I would I would break down. If I didn't cry I, in front of you, I would cry on the inside. You sure. know. But um, I, I remember. Uh, I went to court, and it was probably the first time I never, the, the this next time I went to court, I had a public defender. And it was like the first time I never even asked for anything. Uh, I didn't ask for a bond reduction. I didn't sure. ask for anything. Mm-hmm. And the public defender was Brian Smith. He just he said, well, Your Honor, do uh, you think that maybe we could get this bond changed from uh, cash only to surety? And I can't remember who... You know, I'm trying to think of who the judge. It was probably was. Sweeney still. No, it, it might have been your dad. I, I think. Been my dad. Yeah, and, and he and he granted it, and I never even asked for it, and didn't even. You know what I mean? It wasn't even one of those things that. Sure. And I mean, I didn't even call a bondsman or nothing. Uh-huh. You know, I didn't even call a bondsman or anything. And and while the whole time I'm in the jail, you know, usually. When I get in there, I'm like I turn into the alpha, and I'm I'm sure. just I'm running everything. Well, mm-hmm. instead, when new when guys would leave, they would give me all their hygiene stuff, and uh-huh. and then I when the new guys came in, I'd make sure they had everything. You know, oh, I was wow. I was trying to do the right thing. You mm-hmm. know, and I mean it's like it's like God seen it and God knew it, and I mean it, it's so crazy because like there was a bondsman who I never got along with. Uh-huh. Um, growing up, we were both kind of alpha, alpha males. It was J.D. Hunter. Uh-huh. And, and, and he, he told me after we became good friends after this, he sure. said he had shotgun shells at his house with my name on them. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, like, we, we were growing up, we were, like, kind of just some of the, the alpha guys, you know. That, sure. And, and, you know, people would this, people would try to get us to fight all the time, you know, and stuff. Sure. And, you know, he was kind of on the the good side of the law, like doing what he was supposed to do. And I, of course, sure. wasn't even knowing <laughs> But he, But one night, he just came, he was down at their jail bonding somebody out and uh, had them bring me up front and ask me if I wanted out of jail. And I was like, well, yeah, but I don't have any money. And he says, well, you could just give me like a little bit each month. And I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I said, if you bond me out of jail, I've got somewhere I'm going to go. I'm going to go to this place in Aurora that... It's a year long. I won't have any money for at least a year. Uh-huh. And, he, and he says, well, if I had a co-signer, I'd get you out. And there was some girl sitting on the bench that I used to sell drugs to her husband. And we, I, she said, I'll sign for him. <laughs> and he, he bonded me out. Wow. Yeah. And like the very next day, I went to that. I went up to the Dream Center. And okay. my sister took me there. It was a... Uh, a Sunday for church, and they 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 cost it cost four hundred for your first month, and then three hundred dollars each month after that. Uh-huh. Well, she paid for my first month, uh-huh. and I stayed there. And I mean, I had this mindset when I got there that I'm gonna you know I'm gonna take everything they teach me, and that's what I'm gonna do. I mean, I I, I basically I put the re- hit the reset button. I knew that this was my last hope. I really knew that, and. I mean, I just did. I, it was like I started over, like I was I was a 30-some-year-old baby again. <laughs> and, well, after my first month, you know, they called me into the office up there, and I was doing great, you know. 
I mean, I had a, I had some things, you know, like I, I, I kind of argued. I thought I knew a little bit here and there, you know, like the, when they were teaching and stuff. But, you know, for the most part, I was doing a really good student. And um, they said, hey, you know, uh, you got to start paying every month. And I'm like, okay, well, so, and I thought, man, who, who do I... Who, who's gonna who's gonna help me out? And it's like you know I didn't have any real friends. Uh, you know the only people that I associated with were you know only associating with me to buy drugs for me from sure. Um, and I just thought you know I, I you know and, and you know Don Trotter came to mind. Uh huh. And and I just thought you know what, and, and a scripture came to my mind too. It was um, a Proverbs twenty eight one. It says. Uh, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Uh-huh. And I thought, you know, only a bold, only a bold, someone bold as a lion would ask for help from, you know, the same person, you know, the same one that, you know, I've been wronging, you know, sure. basically. You know, this guy's responsible for, you know, keeping order and peace. Sure. And he's the only one I think would help me. And, I, and you know, it was like God spoke to me and told me to ask him for help. And I, I called him up. I called his office. And I'm surprised I even got through, you know, like they even let me talk to him. Sure. And I talked to him and I just told him, I said, hey, you know, I'm here and I'm trying to, I, I, I got to change my life. Uh-huh. And, you know, it costs money for me to be here. And, you know, I don't, nobody's going to help me out with any money. And if anything, any money that you had that you could help would, it, it would really help me. Uh-huh. And I'd appreciate it. And he's like, I tell you what, I said, I'll be, I'll be down there in a couple hours. Wow. Well, he came down the, and, and, and he's like, he, he gave him a couple hundred dollars. And then he said, you know what? I tell you what, you just do what you're supposed to do and I'll take care of the rest. Wow. He ended up paying like, I think it was $2,200 it was like 300 a month for 11 months or something like that. Uh, I don't I can't remember exactly, but it was it was like oh, it was over $2000. Close to 20. Money, yeah, yeah it, it was a very and very he paid for that. Yeah, he paid out of his own pocket. It was a wow. very significant amount of money that uh, he that he uh, he paid, you know, for me to get the life skills that I needed just to make it in this world, just to be there for my kids. I mean, it, it's I, there's no way I could I could never uh, honestly repay him you know for you know the the change that 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 i mean and i yeah there's i don't even have words for it you know that well i mean he was standing up for you and i was just so surprised (laughs) i mean that really was not what i was it was going to happen yeah he kept he kept close tabs you know, on you know, he come they, and they had sure. me doing the Easter special. They had me so with because I had long hair. Pastor Tony was like, "You grow a beard," <laughs> so I grew a beard and was you know they they hung me on a cross and that was probably one of the most I I, I can't even describe how uh, much that changed my relationship spiritual relationship because uh-huh. I, I I actually kind of felt you know part of what it felt like, you know, to actually be that victim, I guess sure. you could say, you know, I mean, they had, we had, we did all these, you know, the pastor, I think he knew what he was doing when he did, we did, uh, every week in, in Easter, each Sunday, we did like an illustration on stage during the service uh-huh. where I, like I would get whipped and then, or that would get hung on the cross. And it was, I mean, it was so emotionally moving for me. Uh-huh. It, it, it gave me like a really clear illustration of what, 
Jesus went through for me. Sure. For everyone. You know, it, it just, it was so life-changing. You know, uh, I mean, it, so many things that I learned from from them there. I mean, their motto, their motto is we're loving people back to life. And, okay. and that, that is so powerful because... I mean, that and then just, you know, losing my father at such a, a young age. You know, I was at an age where I needed a father more than, sure. you know, just starting to begin to become a man. Sure. And, or an adolescent. And I should have been learning what it was like to be a man. Instead, like, it was the one man that was there for my life was taken out of my life and I, I had no explanation or no reason why. And so I had, a hard, I had a hard time identifying or even believing that anyone could ever be there for me or anyone could ever love me and not just leave or, you know, and it, it, so until I, until I developed that relationship with God and, and with people that, you know, just wanted the best for me, I, man, I had no idea that, it even existed, you know. All I knew was that world that I lived in. I can, and and looking back, I I can see how it can be so difficult for anyone, whether it's trauma, abuse, any kind of abuse, or that where they truly are a victim. Sure. You know, where, where they could get stuck in that cycle of really truly believing that's all there is. Yeah. It, it man, I just cannot. It's getting stuck in hell is what it sounds like. Yeah, it basically it is. And, you know, whatever that hell may be, it's it's so real and so powerful for whoever's stuck in it. Uh, and it could be anything. It just Well, that's what I love about the book The Great Divorce by C. S. Lewis, because the people in hell don't know that they're in hell. And it's like it's such a powerful, very short book. But so much of their illustrations are about you don't even know that you're there. And that's what makes it so <clears throat> hellish. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy how chaos can become normal. Yeah. It can become... And, and oh man, when, when, when we're so ingrained in living in that chaos, it's, it's almost... I mean, we can become desensitized to it. We sure. don't realize the trauma that it's actually causing us. Until you don't realize the beauty that's here. Yeah, exactly. You have no idea what could be. Uh -huh. it's, it's like that, that trauma, it, it, run, it, it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper and then, until you go to draw it out. And, you know, I, I realized, I, I really just started realizing lately even that you know i still got some trauma that's stuffed down in me and you know i got i i'm married to such a sweet sweet woman who's that what's her name uh, her name's nicole it was costner okay um she's from uh, perigold arkansas uh -huh. her i actually i met her mom when i worked at the passion play in eureka springs uh -huh. did uh, you play christ yeah yeah I, I worked there for about three years and um, my, Where do you work now? Uh, I work for Ark of the Ozarks okay. out of Monette. So I work with people who have developmental disabilities. I actually had to jump through a lot of hoops to get what's called an exception from the state of Missouri to work with people uh, who are under the Department of Mental Health. Okay. Because I have felonies. Sure. Because they won't allow people with felonies. I had to get, man, what was it? I can't remember. I, I went through this process. It took me about a year to be able to do that. 
Uh -huh. um, I, I had to get recommendations. I had to take some tests, and it, there there was just a, a big process. But I, I got it. I got it done, and because I was going to be a substance abuse counselor, and then I I kind of changed my mind uh -huh. when I just I had worked at a substance abuse uh, place in, in uh, it was a, a at TPN in Purdy. It was like a inpatient, but it was it was really difficult for me to work there. I, I didn't feel like I got to interact. Like there was 30, 40 guys there, and I was like uh -huh. the only one there at night. And all I was basically doing was driving them to work and back sure. and giving them. And probably watch people relapse. Too. Yeah, it was kind of difficult. You know, I, I, I felt like, you know, there, I didn't get a lot of one-on-one -on -one you know, time to, to really pour into anyone there. Um, and so it, it, it was kind of, it was a little heart-wrenching, you know. But, um, you know, some guys it helped quite a bit. And, you um, know, just some guys it, it didn't. But, you know, I, I worked there for three years. And now I've been with the ARC for three years. Okay. Wow, so well, Passion Play for three years and then TPM for three years. And now I've been with the ARC for three years. So... Well, so just tell me a little bit more about what Jesus means to you in this world. Oh, everything. You know, Jesus, ultimate example of who I need to strive to be like. Uh -huh. um, you know, I mean, I, I just... When I even when I think about how short I fall when it comes to just truly portraying him and uh -huh. to loving people the way he does, sure. it, it just makes me want to cry. Mm -hmm. But then when I think of how when he looks at me, when God looks at me, he he, he sees him. Sure, yeah. You know, because of that blood that he shed for me, you know. So it, it's like that makes it all better. It's like cry, but then there are tears of joy, you know. Mm -hmm. It's it's like, uh, in every bit of wisdom, you know, anything I ever wanted to know, or, you know, he, he's given me. Um, you know, it's just in his word. You know, I've just right. got I've just got to read it and follow it, and you know, stop trying to think I need to do things on my own. I know my wife's she's so sweet because. Oh, she knows that I need, um, we all need, uh, you know, interaction with one another. Sure. You know, um, God meant it for us to come together as a body and work yeah. as different members, use our giftings and, uh -huh. and all that. And I, I feel like I went, I went for those three years when I worked at the Passion Play, I went so hard. I mean, like, it was all about ministry. Sure. It was all about helping everyone else. I almost feel like I, I, I came close to losing my oldest chil children, you know, because I was so busy trying to save the rest of the world. Uh -huh. So I've, I stopped doing, like, all the ministry and started focusing on them uh -huh. and doing the things that they wanted to do and spending, you know, time with them. And, you know... I feel like I'm, I've gotten so far away from it. My wife, I think she notices that I need more interaction. You know, sure. maybe we need to get, so she's, she's been trying to get us plugged in, you know, to the, to the church, 
more and in uh, First Baptist. We went to Rooted in uh, Joplin uh -huh. for about a year and a half. It was just such a long drive, but there were such great people. We, sure. we, we just, I, I got kind of burnt on it more than she did, I think, because I, I, me working and then working overtime a lot, you know, that drive, it was just killing sure. me. And when we couldn't make it, we'd feel guilty. And, you know, First Baptist Church in Cassville, is, it's, you know, actually uh, Rodney, the Rooted pastor, suggested, you know, that church and uh -huh. you know pastor weaver he he preaches really good messages you know he he preaches the truth and you know they, they have so many small ministries and things going on there so you know we can get plugged in they have a celebrate recovery that you know my wife she's so sweet she went to it last night and took all the kids and uh -huh. everything and just really you know was trying to sell me sell it to me you know and it's like i i i I love her so much. I, I seen her working this out. Like she went and grabbed every pamphlet, you know, so that way she had an excuse for the reason she had that pamphlet. You know, it wasn't sure. that she was just doing that, you know. And then I knew she when she was going because, you know, she was she come back and she was like, oh, I talked to such and such and oh and they said they knew you and oh you'd be such a good help there you know <laughs> but she she really like here's the thing about my wife nicole she never knew me uh, bef before right she would have never had nothing to do with me <laughs> nothing you know she doesn't she doesn't drink or smoke or do drugs no none sure. of that i mean she you know matter, matter of fact i mean like i i i did have uh, some issues with my back I still have issues. I'm gonna always have issues with my back but uh -huh. but it got really bad and I and I was drinking a little bit and it was like scaring her you know like she was like I mean and I stopped but like um, yeah I had a, a, well increasing back pain and I went and got an MRI sure. and had, they said, had, had well, for just the x-ray said I had degenerative disc disease. Oh, wow. And then I got the MRI and it showed I had a couple of uh, uh, herniated on the inside and have a nerve root disorder. So like I would get sciatica. Uh -huh. And it, it was so bad. Like at one time I, I just, I was laying on the floor just crying. Uh -huh. And so the only way for me to, like I could go to sleep was to drink a little bit. So I was making homemade wine. And like it, it was. And what's crazy is like I get a prescription for hydrocodone, uh -huh. but like I could never abuse any opiates, and like the amount of opiate that it would take for me to actually feel high on makes sure. me so sick that. Right. And I, I don't think it's really an allergy. I think it's just. I mean, it could be. I don't know, but I I could never, I could never. It just. It would be like trying to get drunk but you get the hangover, hangover at the same time uh -huh. you just couldn't you just can't do it uh -huh. and so yeah she was just so, so I mean I know that she's trying to get me in, into that because she knows like at this time I've gotten so I think I've gotten so far away from having that fellowship uh -huh. that you know it, I think it it, it may be a, have allowed me to think oh yeah I can you know do these things and sure. but I know I can't you know I know that I need people to hold me accountable. I can't. Uh -huh. I can't stay in a little box and think that I'm going to be okay. Right. 
because none of us are going to be okay. If, if we stay in our box, you know, then, you know, we, we don't have the first of all accountability. And then, you know, the second is if, uh, well, I, I guess we have no one to, to, to share with. Uh, and that's a big deal, I think. Right. Um, you know, when we got things going on. I mean, I, I could share with my wife, but it's not the same if I share with other guys. Sure. You know, I got to have guys to men to hang out with, and 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 because they're gonna hold, we're gonna hold each other accountable. Sure. You know, I've always heard you have to have a Paul and a Timothy. You uh, got to have someone pouring into you, but you also got to be pouring into someone else. Sure. And that's that's where the accountability comes. You know, this guy's gonna hold me accountable, but if I'm holding this guy accountable too then it puts me in a place where I have to be accountable so I can hold him accountable, you know. Right. And it just works, you know, that's how community kind of works. Well, so tell me about your MMA fighting. Okay, well, you know, what's what's crazy about it is when I first got saved and, and you know, on fire for God, I was thinking, you know, I could never do that. Jesus wouldn't do that, you know. Sure. Yeah. You know, but but then it it was almost like I you know, of course, one extreme to the other. I went from uh-huh. beating up everyone to <laughs> oh, I could never beat anyone up again. Yes. You know, to you know, actually talking to some of you know, pastoral leaders who, you know, they they gave me a little bit of a different view, you know. They they they, they kind of showed me I was being a little pharisaical. Uh-huh. You know, I might I may have been, and, and kind of shown me, opened my eyes to like anywhere's a mission field. Uh-huh. And so, I think it was it was about three years ago. My daughter, uh-huh. which is probably the most damaged child because of me, <laughs> or because of the lack of my presence. Sure. I mean, and and. I know that a lot of the issues that she has today is because I was never there. Sure. You know, she's How many kids do you have? Nine altogether okay. with me and my wife. She had two when we met, but then I have two more with her. And then, yeah, we see, see Bailey's my oldest. And then I have Mark. Uh-huh. And then Anthony, Logan, Michael. And then Bella's my stepdaughter. Uh-huh. And then we have Lucius, he's my stepson. Uh-huh. And then I have Gracie as my two-year-old daughter. And then I have Ezra, who's wow. like five months old uh-huh. just the other day. So, yeah. It, yeah, and, and I've got to use fingers, too, to make sure I'm not... <laughs> and dates, don't know. Yeah, I, I think... If I really sit and think, I can get all the birth dates, but it, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, well, it's, it's difficult. But there's, you know, in each one of them, like where I'm at in my life right now, each one I can enjoy. Sure. In a different moment. Yeah. But each of the older ones have certain parts where I see are missing because of me. Uh-huh. You know, like, they're... And, and, and it hurts, but there's nothing I, you know, I, I can't stay sure. in that. All yeah. I have to do is look at the little ones and how much I can do with them. Right. And the MMA fighting my daughter, I'll get to that because that was the question. Uh-huh. I chase rabbits sometimes. It's okay. But, uh, my, 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 my daughter was having her first MMA fight. 
Okay. And I was pretty much still already, I was on the fence about, you know, having any, doing any kind of, I was even telling my sons that I didn't really want them to wrestle uh -huh. for a little while. And, but they were all wanting to do MMA. All sure. Them. And then my daughter, she's grown out of the house. Can't tell her no anyway, you know. <laughs> so, but she was having her first fight and she was saying, Dad, I'm really nervous. And, you know, she was just, we were just developing our relationship. And, you know, J.D. was one of my good friends then. And he was a promoter, uh -huh. you know. And, and it was two days before her fight. And I said, well, what if I got out of the card with you and fought with you? She was like, you would do that, and it was the it was like the honestly the greatest dad moment that I that I've had with with her. You know, this is my grown daughter who sure. I should have been there for her when she was five and sure. got to or one and, and seen and or when she first started talking and got sure. that moment. But and so it was just that was my first fight, and I think it was like March of. 2017. Uh -huh. Are you still doing that now? Yeah, I actually I am now. I'm doing it with my other sons. We're we're trained together, and uh -huh. my 10 year old daughter goes to jujitsu with me every uh, and kickboxing every Monday and Thursday. Uh -huh. And my two year old daughter, we're starting her in tumbling. She starts tonight. I'm so excited because <laughs> I'm gonna take we're gonna we're gonna take her and I'm gonna get her this cute little outfit, and uh -huh. I'm I'm so excited for it, you know, and. And so they all, and then uh, Lucius, he's our four-year-old. He just turned four, so he can do little dragons. Uh -huh. It's it's like the the first sure. class that they can do in the martial arts, and uh -huh. you know, uh, Ernest Freeman's great with the kids, and you know, he does the in Cassville. Uh -huh. He's the, he's the instructor down there, and so I just love having him in there. And so, how you know. often do you fight? Uh, my last one was in October. October. So when's the next one? Uh, well, I got asked to do one February 22nd. Um, but I kind of hurt some ribs a couple weeks ago when I was helping Anthony. He was uh -huh. He's getting ready for one. Well, I guess I think he has one on the 25th of this month. And on Friday, he trains in Springfield a lot at Springfield Fight Club. They're a, an affiliate of RWTB in Cassville. So uh -huh. when... When you have a membership to one, then they let you go to the other and train, you know, cross-train back and forth. So on Friday nights, I would go up there, and I got kind of hurt. My ribs hurt a little bit. and So I, I've been taking it easy the last couple of weeks, so I don't even know if I'm going to take this one in February because it's just, I don't know, it takes longer to heal. I'm 42, almost 43, and I don't know anybody my age that still does it, but it, it's, it's kind of... You know, man, my son, you know, his profile picture is me getting my last belt because I got a 205-pound uh, title, you know. 105? What is 205. That? Oh, 205. Yeah, it's light, light like, heavyweight. I could not figure that yeah, out. Yeah, you know, it, and my, my sons really look up to me for, you know. Sure. And I play Christian music. I have this, it's my song, uh, Break Every Chain by Jesus Culture is my song. It's okay. like... You know, so that that's kind of the theme, and I always, after every event, you know, I'll get people, you know, that friend me on Facebook, ask for prayer, you know, sure. they're always, you know, look looking for, they're inspired by, you know, uh, and, and it's a huge mission field, you know, even guys that train, and they were in it because they were angry, because, you know, their father left them, or, sure. you know, 
that you know you can show them hey I'm not doing this because I'm angry you don't have to do this because you're angry yeah. you know you, you can do this you know to show love you know yeah. I I mean I can't think of a cooler way to spend time with my sons than you know us getting on the mats you know and getting physical and you know it, it, it's so awesome to be able to do that with them you know and put each other to the test and it, you know and it's really I mean, I want my kid to survive if someone tries to take him out, you right. know, so I'm teaching him, you know, we're, we're going to get in there and we're, you know, training hard together. It's, it's pretty awesome. Okay. The bond. And so give me five tips for an MMA fighter. Five tips for an MMA fighter. The f I think the first one would be to be humble. Okay. Always, always listen to your coaches. Uh -huh. You don't know everything. If you did, then you'd be a world champ already. Right. Well, even world champs, you don't. You can. There's always something to learn. Uh -huh. um, the second would probably be always respect your opponent uh -huh. and your training partners. Um, you can learn something from everyone. Uh -huh. I mean, even the even the guy who doesn't even seem to be able to fight. You know, he's going to teach you something. Sure. And that's in life. That doesn't just have to be do with fighting. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, I, I really feel like that's, that's so important. Um, hmm. Always do your cardio. Uh-huh. I mean, cardio is very, very important. Sure. You know, I, I do a lot of it, but, you know, I'm 40-something, and I smoked for 15 <laughs> years, too. So, I mean... And I'm always fighting guys that are in their 20s. So, uh, Got to do that, the cardio. And, and how often do you do that? Um, well, when I'm getting ready for a fight, I try to do cardio every other day at least. Uh, like um, when I'm lifting weights, I'll do 10. And my wife taught me this. She got it from some workout. I, I'll do 10 minutes of cardio before I lift weights. Uh, and it raises your heart rate up, so your blood's pumping really fast. Sure. So you're getting plenty of oxygen to your muscles. And so your heart rate will stay up your entire workout, your, your entire uh, routine. And so, like, I basically, when I lift, I lift to uh, keep that heart rate up. And it's, so it's almost like simulating, like, as if I'm, I'm, I'm in, a, in a fight because I'll get that heart rate up. And then, like, instead of resting, like, doing this, I'll do a set of something. I'll do another, I'll do, like, a push, and then I'll do a pull. Uh, so I'll do a set this way and then a set that way. I sure. do not rest. And I just, mm -hmm. I'll get my workout done in 30 minutes rather than an hour and a half. Uh, but, like, I'm completely done. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so tell me five tips for being a Christian. Oh, five tips for being a Christian. Yeah. Follow Jesus. Not other people. <laughs> it, 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 I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they idolize other leaders and uh, not Jesus. Sure. Um, that then, if if your mentor falls, then you're going to fall with them. Yeah. Um, but Jesus is not going to fall. Uh, um, he, right. He's always there, and I think that's. Um, that's probably the number one of the number one things. Read your word every day. Stay in the word. Meditate on a day and night like Psalm one. Um, I'm really good about it in the morning. I'm not as good about it at night. Uh -huh. I think, man, it, and I need to start doing that because I, I need to be doing it with the kids more. Sure. 
um, I think I in the morning when I'm getting ready for work, I and I just started an awesome uh, Bible in a year with uh, okay. Nikki Gumbel. That it, it, it's a big long devotional. It's like thirty minutes of it's like a sermon in the morning, and I love it. But uh -huh. I do need to end my day. I need to start my day with him and end my day with him too. Uh -huh. um, the word every day and uh, something I'm really lacking in is that my wife is showing me this she's such my, I can't say enough good things about my wife because um, she'll do what I, I can see she, she'll do whatever it takes you know to, sure. to make sure my soul is getting fed right and um, and that is to have fellowship with other men okay men need to have fellowship with men and women need to have fellowship with women um you know, the Bible says that men teach the men, women teach the women. There's so much truth to that because I can't teach a woman how to do anything, sure. honestly. And, you know, and a, a woman can't really teach a man how to do, how to be a man. You know, we, we just, and, and it has nothing to do with um, being good enough or being, you know, it's just, it's, it's who we are. Sure. You know, it's a God intended us to teach each other. Well... Um, and then I let you off the hook on both of these numbers things, you know, on both the MMA and uh -huh. the Christian thing. But five for being or overcoming addiction. Overcoming say. addiction. You know, five things for overcoming addiction. For how many ever? Man, I think one of the one of the most important things is accountability. Uh -huh. Because I feel like when I was straying away from accountability, I was starting to think I could, I could drink some wine, because just because I'm you hurt. You were thinking you could do it. I was, yeah, yeah. But yeah. then you know, it took my wife, you know, telling me, you know, no, you need, you need accountability. You need to, you know, you're not going to be able to do this, and you know, she, she's right, you uh -huh. know. But it, it, you know, take it's taking her, and then she's just subtly steering me toward the right thing and it's like oh i know and <laughs> i love her so much for it you know and and writing little scriptures on the fridge and <laughs> doing it. just it's um i i really um man that that's probably the most powerful one really is that that accountability because because uh. when when we start putting things in boxes and trying to stuff them and hide them uh, you know from the world being transparent sure and and actually and just being honest because if we can't be honest with ourselves how can we be honest with with other people yeah we have to be honest with the other people the people that care about us the most because uh, they're going to tell us you know my wife's going to look me in the face and just tell me she you, sounds you like can't she's do this. wonderful oh she is she really is you know but she, you know, she's gonna tell me, you know, you, you can't do this. You know, uh -huh. this is this is what this is doing to you. Uh -huh. She might do it in the sweetest, nicest way, but and she might not really not want to hurt my feelings and dance around as much as she can. But you know, she's she's gonna tell me the truth, you know, in her subtle, sweet ways. <laughs> and and you know, the, and that's her. Yeah. Um. um and. Um, Man, just can be inconsistent, and I, I think consistency is key, and and yeah. that and that's in just about anything. Sure. And and man, it's so important that if you make a mistake, you know, don't let it be the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. Uh -huh. No one's perfect. No one's ever yeah. gonna be perfect. 
you know, we, I, I think as human beings, sometimes we get in this mindset that, you know, if we mess up just a little bit, then we messed it all the way up. Sure. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone's going to be late to work sometime, you know, everyone's sure. going to, you're going to break an egg sometime, you know, you're going to say the wrong thing sometime, mm-hmm. you know, but I think that, you know, the, the key is, is when you make that mistake, man, just own up to it and move on. Right. You know, you know, the next right thing to do. And that's it's not about being perfect. Not about being perfect. Yeah. You know, because no one, no one in our lives are going to be perfect toward us. So we can't expect ourselves to be perfect toward anyone else or, or to any, anything else. But, you know, we, we, gotta, we just got to pick ourselves up. Well, then let me ask you one more question and we're done. And that is, do you have any thoughts or prayers for us? Thoughts or, in, or prayers? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could say a prayer, you sure. know. Sure, go for uh, it. And... You know, I, I want to thank you for in, inviting me over here for yeah, this. And I'm just so it, impressed by it, you. It probably came at a great time because, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I think I'm kind of at a turning point. You, you know, it's funny how I said three years of this, three years of that, uh-huh. and then three years of this. And, sure. and now I'm realizing i got to go back to the beginning and <laughs> kind of, I really need to, to, to go back to, to fundamentals and, and basics and sure and um, so this has helped me as as well, but uh, uh, man, I can I'll just say a prayer for everybody listening. Sure, um, Father, we love you, uh, we praise you, and we just give you all the glory, Lord. Um, I know that without your love, I wouldn't know any. Father, without your wisdom, I, I would know absolutely nothing. Without the grace that you've given and the people you've placed in my life. I would have never even had the opportunity to have any kind of life, to to know my children, to be in their lives, or even to have half of the children that I do have, Lord. And I just thank you for the extra time that you have given me in my life, because, Lord, I know that I don't deserve any of it. I thank you for the time that, uh, that you allow me to just come to you in prayer and to thank you. Lord, I thank you for the second chance and um, healing that you've given to Dale. And I pray that you would continue to um, to strengthen him in his body and in his mind and his spirit, Lord. And I pray that everyone that hears this, Lord, that um, they may be inspired, um, not by me or anything I've done, but everything that you've done. Um, and that uh, in every way that you've just so graciously, lovingly, and beautifully blessed my life in the lives of my children and my wife. Father, I just thank you so much and um, ask that you uh, reveal yourself completely to everyone that hears this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a great way to end it. Thank you so much, (laughs) for being here. Hey, I appreciate it. (laughs) Yes. Was that an hour? I don't know. It's got to be long. Let's see here. There we go.